Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 164 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here with me recording our podcast on an extra spooky Halloween. Uh, spooky because it's uh, going to be really warm today. Kurt was winterizing his boat, was lamenting to me that it just doesn't feel right to be putting the boat out <laughs> to pasture in such good weather. It has been nice, but it is Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone, and to our international guest. It is one of the strange American holidays where we... Really don't know why we carve pumpkins or why we knock on strangers' doors and ask for candy. But we do, and it's fun, and everyone dresses up in costumes. It's very hard to explain. We just do it. I think you just have to accept it. It is strange, but we have fun with it. Yes, yes. <laughs> How's that for an explanation? <laughs> it's fantastic. i got to put a shout-out to the best costume I've seen this year. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I, will, I will edit this so you don't have to get out the bleep button. Oh, okay. But but every now and then, sometimes it's necessary to use one of those. I, I'm going to try to avoid it here and use a euphemism for the word. We have a friend, and she's got a, a son who's kind of a, a little stinker. And so they dressed him up in kind of a brown outfit with a little brown swirly hat. And for Halloween, he is a little crap. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that one. I'll give you one. A shout out to daughter Brooke. She came up with a great one. She was carrying a roll, like a dinner roll. And she was dressed up nice, so she was a role model. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, there you go. Or I saw somebody was wrapped up in toilet paper, and they were a teepee. I'm not sure what that meant, but anyway. A <laughs> teepee, nice. Yeah, yeah I, I've been to a couple of parties so far, and the uh, Trump-Hillary costumes are <laughs> in style, that's for sure. In style. That's going to be interesting. That'll be coming up. We'll talk about that one next week. Yeah, yeah, we're going to record that episode next week. Kurt will be over in uh, uh, Qatar in the Middle East, right? Yep, Doha. I'll be there over there for a few weeks. Abu Dhabi, Dubai, fun place in the world. So we'll be recording from over there. Yeah, I'll call you on Skype and I'll let you know if you should bother coming back or not. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be good. It might be safer for me to be there instead of the United States during the elections. Just saying. <laughs> I think there's going to be some Just saying. very unhappy campers, no matter yeah, what No matter happens. what happens. This is like a no-win for anybody. It's going to, yeah. Yeah. It's All the, the articles, it's dividing families and dividing marriages. Like, oh, <laughs> yep. yep. I think people don't is. realize that 80% of the things we all agree on, it's just that 20% that's throwing us off. <laughs> it really is. I was talking to my wife about that, how you've got such high percentages that are on either side and you got a very small portion of the electorate that really decides here mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah all right we'll fill you in next week what happens we will fill you in in the meantime we need you to cue up the urkel urkel go <laughs> so kurt uh, is going to clue us in onto some issues about presence we've all spoken with people that just when they walk into the room, you know it. They're in charge. We're always thinking a lot more about how we can get that presence in our lives. Kurt, what do you got, and what obscure journal does it come from? <laughs> I thought we were talking about holiday presents, but you want the other presents. But yes. anyway, we'll do that in another one. Well, I hope you're sitting down for the nice journal of the day, the Journal of Psychotherapy Integration. Wow. Let's go with that one today. And a couple other journals, too, and some of my own research. It is important. When you walk into a room, do people notice 
Do they not notice? I mean, this is part of charisma. This is part of something that you need that people notice you. And so there's three things I kind of want to bring up here. The first one from our favorite journal of psychotherapy integration talks about your ability to tune in what people need from you in the moment, right? Do they need assurance? Do they need confidence? Do they need a boost in their self-esteem, which we'll talk about here in a bit? Do they want to talk about fear, anger, frustrations, any of those things? And your ability to read that and understand that is part of your presence and how much people like you. Do they sense your respect? Do they sense your gratitude? Those type of things are very important. Be able to tune into them in the moment. Well, it's a political season. You got to do what Bill Clinton does. When he's in the room, you feel like the most important person. He's very famous for that. I'll just say yeah. that. That's, that's how it is. And the second one I found is passion. It's kind of that transfer of pure energy. If people aren't passionate about your product, it's your fault. In fact, we did some research where we compared people. We gave them their persuasion IQs. We compared their leads. We compared their tools, how many persuasion tools they had, and some were making more than others. Everything was equal. Their education, their leads, their company, their scripts, everything's equal, but one's doing better than the other. Nine times out of ten, it came down to their passion about their product, their purpose about serving other people, and that made a big difference. When you have passion, more than anything else, it recruits the hearts and minds of the people that you're talking to. It's a critical piece of what you need to have. So we've talked about passion, and part of your presence is to be able to read their person, that emotional intelligence. And the third one is coming from the American Psychological Association. And they did a study with over 800,000 people, and they found being treated with respect was the strongest predictor of positive feelings towards that person. Just knowing that you didn't put yourself above them, that you weren't arrogant, that you weren't condescending, that you respected them, their ideas, their job, what they did, and and everyone says here, well, yeah, I do that. No, you don't. You're coming across as arrogant and condescending through your mannerisms, through interrupting, through various things that you're doing. Don't ever assume that even though maybe you are respecting the person, they might not sense that they have that respect. I've been doing a lot of reading on similar topics lately, and it just seems that the research is, is overwhelming, that when a prospect or somebody speaks to you, they tell you about their pain, the problem. When you can articulate and, and many times mirror exactly back to them what they said and they feel like you understood, that goes such a long way. You really have to work hard to screw it up after that. It takes a little longer to listen. It takes a little more patience. It takes a little more empathy. But wow, if you're going to persuade the person, it's worth that extra effort. They say slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good article. Thank you for sharing that with us, Kurt. We're going to transition into what we want to discuss for our main portion of the show today. A couple of weeks ago, we started talking about how to talk to difficult people. And we sort of concluded that people are difficult for two reasons. Number one, they're just difficult. They're not very good at associating with others. Or number two, they have a low self-esteem. And we all have low self-esteem. Sometimes it's worse than others. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, not too bad at all. For Donald Trump, it's great all the time. Right? <laughs> so it just depends on who you're talking to. But I believe it was episode 162. We focused primarily on, okay, this person's just difficult. What do we do? Now we're making the assumption that, okay, this person has a low self-esteem, and that's why they're acting out. That's why they're doing these kinds of things. And we kind of sandwiched the interview with Jonah Berger uh, last week uh, between the two of these. So please excuse the momentary ADD that we got. But Jonah is a, an excellent professor out at the Wharton School of Business, and we had to get him while we had him. So, Kurt, you're dealing with somebody who's difficult. 
you believe it's because there's low self-esteem. What do our listeners need to know in this kind of a situation? Well, let's set a foundation for that. I love what William James said. He says, the deepest principle of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. And Napoleon Bonaparte even said that it changed the war effort when he realized that men would die for medals, which is an interesting one. And here's the big picture. We all suffer in some aspect of low self-esteem. And it's amazing to see the studies that in the United States, and this is true around the world, self-esteem is at an all-time low, is that in third grade, 80% of the students had a healthy self-esteem. And we can define that how much you like yourself. That's what self-esteem is. And then by fifth grade, it was 20%. And by 12th grade, it was 5%. There's this big dip. And we can blame the media, and they deserve it. We can blame the school system, and they deserve it. We can blame advertising, they deserve it. There's a lot of reasons why it's there, but it is. And you have to realize that everyone you're dealing with in some aspect could have issues with low self-esteem, especially as you influence up, because the praise tends to get lower as you go up the ladder. And it's interesting. We were always seeing these different jabs. In fact, I saw a funny article on performance reviews. They actually went through all different performance reviews, and, and this is probably one of the reasons there's low self-esteem in the workplace. Uh, let me just read a few of them. The employee should go far, and the sooner he starts, the better. <laughs> what an actual performance review. <laughs> he doesn't have ulcers, but he's a carrier. Well, maybe. He brings a lot of joy whenever he leaves the room. That's a good one. <laughs> and my favorite, when his IQ reaches 50, he should sell. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that aspect, but along with that, when they researched why people were dissatisfied with their managers and their supervisors, listen to this list, right? Because all the managers will always say, well, it's the money, it's the money. No, here are the top five, okay? Failing to give credit, failing to correct grievances, failing to encourage, criticizing in public, not asking their opinions. All self-esteem related. And this is huge. It's bigger than anybody can ever think. Because you've been into a meeting before and maybe you had a better idea than someone else and you got attacked. Or maybe you went to somebody's office and you were going to have a recommendation. It was a no-brainer. It was the best thing for the company. And all you got was resistance. A lot of times you've bruised the self-esteem. You've hurt somebody's ego. You've backed someone to a corner. You've proved them that they're wrong. This all bruises the self-esteem. And I'll just say this, when you bruise someone's self-esteem, you hurt somebody's ego, you close the door to influence. Definitely, definitely. And that's why they act out. That's why they become difficult. So I guess a little bit of a tangent here, and if you're not done laying foundation, you know, smack me over the head. Mm -hmm. What I'm thinking is we've got two instances. Number one, you did something to hurt their self-esteem, and now you're trying to recover or number two, somebody else did, and you're trying to persuade this person, and you're in the aftermath of, of the mess somebody else made. Uh, what, what distinctions should we make there as to how we deal with somebody with low self-esteem? Are they treating you the same way as other people? I mean, that's what's going to tell you. If you've bruised their self-esteem, if you've hurt their feelings, or you proved that they were wrong, and they're just aggressive and angry and hostile towards you, uh, it's you. <laughs> But if they're doing this to everybody, it's probably just a general low self-esteem that you're going to need to deal with. Okay. Okay. Got it. So what are two or three techniques that we can implement? We're dealing with somebody with this problem from a persuader's standpoint. This is not a kid came home from school, had a rough day, bully type of a thing, although that's important and we can discuss. But you're trying to get the account. You're trying to close the deal. But the person you're dealing with has a low self-esteem and they want to take it out on somebody. Well, let's talk about the word of the day, which is ingradiation, which is the scientific term for uh, boot-looking or <laughs> round-nosing. And it upsets us when we see it working on somebody else, when someone else is doing it. But we can't see it when someone's doing it to us. It tends to work. It always works. We always know that when there's praise, it tends to work. In fact, 
The studies show within gradation that it's better to use one great effective gradation method than lots of smaller ones. In other words, less is more. And they found this with hairdressers as far as how many compliments they could give the person. And it's interesting, they're complimenting the person, but it's increasing their tips. So zero compliments, they looked at that. One compliment increased tips. Two compliments increased it a little bit. But then after three, there's diminishing returns. And so we can ingratiate or praise a little too much. Gradation always works better with downward influence. You know, coworkers, employees, it just always does. And when we're attempting upward influence, like a boss or a CEO, we're influencing up. Using apologies or self-deprecation are more successful when you're persuading up when there's a large difference in status. And so it depends on the person, their personality, what they're doing. But learning how to praise, knowing the proper formulas to praise and how to do it the right way so people believe it, that will give you the highest returns more than anything else we can talk about. So you're trying to persuade the CEO to make some kind of a change. He's got some policy that makes your daily life a headache. And the whole self-deprecating humor, I'm so sorry, is more effective than, well, gee whiz, Mr. CEO, you're so great. Yeah, you're the best and people like you. Yeah. He already <laughs> well, knows that. Will not work as much as... Well, not work as well as self-deprecation like we talked about as far as taking ownership. Well, you know, that was my fault. I should have done that better versus pointing fingers or proving that they're wrong or they should have made a different decision could backfire on you. Okay. So if you're going to be um, insincere <laughs> in, your, in your apologies or your self-deprecating humor or your compliments, that's just the rule. If the person is kind of up the chain from you, use, those, use self-deprecating humor. If they're sideways or down, then flatter them, compliment them, use ingratiation. Do we have this right? You have it right. And here's the formula of praise. And the great thing about this is praise costs you nothing. You just have to do it the right way. And here's the non-sugar-coated part of this is that people don't tend to praise because of their own low self-esteem. I mean, that's the reality of it. And sometimes people don't want to praise because they don't think people believe them. But here's the simple formula. Make sure when you praise something, you praise something positive. We've talked about that before. You don't go to a family reunion and say, Uncle Frank, you're still alive. Good for you. All the bacon you eat, I thought you'd be dead by now. Uh, probably not good praise. Okay? Make sure it's something sincere. I mean, that's easy to understand. But here's the key. Here's the most important thing. Make sure it's something specific. When you praise someone with low self-esteem, they're going to discount it. you got to be so specific that they can't refute it. When you took the call from Mr. Jones and he was upset and you turned him around and you saved that sale, that was textbook. That was beautiful. I want everyone to hear it. They can't refute it. That's what actually happened. That is the key for praise to be accepted and to work. Yeah, I may be airing out something too personal here, but that never stopped me before. I, I've noticed that that if I tell my wife, hey, great job with the kids today. You did a great job. You know, <laughs> I've noticed that just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> She, yeah, A, she knows you too well. B, you've got to be a little more specific. Exactly. I noticed, <laughs> hey, when so-and-so did this and you said that, I thought that was great. Now, the difference between the results of those two is night and day. I can really attest to that, that specifics in praise matter a lot. If you're looking for those specifics, you're a lot more likely to be sincere. And what Kurt said is that ingratiation works even when you're not, but it sure works a lot better when you are. So I, why not try to be that way? It does. I mean, we're so hungry for praise. I mean, it even happens to me. I think I've told this before, but it's a great example. Shopping at the mall, doing a little research with my wife. She goes into a store that uh, I didn't really care about. And so I go to the suit store. She's like, you don't need a suit. I'm, like, I'm just going to see how persuasive they are. And I walk in, sharp-dressed gentlemen, look good. And 
says, what are you looking for? I'm like, blue suit, because blue suits are the most credible. And he says, all right, what size are you? And I'm like, well, I'm not sure. So he measured my waist, and then he measured my chest. He measured my chest again. He looked up at me, and he's all, do you work out? I'm like, well, yeah. Why, yes, I do. He's like, oh, yeah. You're going to need the athletic cut. I'm like, yes, I do. Of course. <laughs> and I bought a suit that day because it was on sale. <laughs> but that works. We're so hungry for praise, even when we know they have something to gain. And it even happens with a group of auto technicians, kind of an opposite example. And they're not mechanics anymore, so everybody knows we're being politically correct. They're auto technicians, so everybody knows. So I was doing some trainings with these auto technicians, and they found that when a female would pull up to the garage, a strange sound, they'd pull up the hood, and like, oh, it's this right here, and they'd fix it. And they would say to them, there's no charge today, and we just want your business. And they estimated that 80% of the time that the females would come back. Then a man comes in. Similar problem. There's a strange sound. They lift up the hood. Oh, it's this over here. And they fix it. Hey, no charge today. We just love your business. And only 30% of the men came back. Like, what's going on? Men versus women? This is going back to law of reciprocity. So the key factor is, tell me if you know, Steve, what's the key factor? Self-esteem. Self-esteem. And the women didn't care. Oh, thanks for fixing it. The guys are programmed. Well, geez, I could have done that. I feel stupid. And, and, and the self-esteem trumped the reciprocity. And they had to go back and say, oh, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. It's really hard to find or just take it back to the shop and wait an hour <laughs> or charge them 10 bucks. They had to do something a little bit different with the males versus the females. And that's all based on self-esteem. I have a hard time with the, the pretense of something like that, especially in negotiations where you have to play the game. You have to make it look like, okay, we're negotiating. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. But it's, it's a real thing. You got to do it. That's why I say in negotiation training, when we do our big three days, it's you might not want to play the game, but if they're coming to play the game and you don't play the game, you're going to lose the game. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, it's going to get played. Yeah. Don't you forfeit. You win or lose. Yeah. That's right. Don't forfeit. Well, that's good stuff. Anything else you want to add on, on the topic of low self-esteem, Kurt? Just being able to identify low self-esteem. I mean, there's a lot of triggers and different things that you can look for when you talk about self-esteem. In fact, here are the symptoms that you look for in yourself and in others. And this is not 100%. You're looking for clusters, the inability to trust others, aggressive behavior, gossiping is a big one, pushing other people down, resentment, criticism of others. And here's one, inability to take criticism, right? Or even the inability to take compliments. Oh, you look great in that dress. Oh, I found it in the gutter, right? They discount you being defensive all the time, those are all red flags with low self-esteem. And it's something that we all have. Again, how much you like yourself. And maybe you have a low self-esteem in giving presentations or influencing or in a swimsuit. These are all things we have to work through. But if you can see this, if you can read this, just like we talked about in our article today, you will become a power persuader. Awesome. Awesome, Kurt. Thanks for that great info. Why don't we go ahead and cue up the ninja? All right, ninja, go. Go, ninja, go. So, Kurt, you had uh, something to say about uh, a frequent guest of the Blunder column of the show, but they've transitioned over to Ninja. What do you got for us? Well, I saw this on Delta, and we see this on some hotel websites, and it's happening more and more. This is an old, famous sales technique called Reduce It to the Ridiculous. You know, I'm getting flights over to the Middle East, and there's a couple different legs, or when I fly to spots in Florida, back east, it's a couple different legs. And it's interesting. They want to upgrade you, of course, to the bigger economy seats or even up to first class. And they don't say, well, for an extra $500. <laughs> 
say, well, for an extra $72 a leg, you can upgrade to first class. Or for an extra $12 here, for an extra this. And we're seeing this more and more with a lot of internet checkout sites where they say, hey, you know, for an extra $12, for an extra $2, they don't put it in the big package. They just separate it a little bit at a time, almost a little bit of the foot in the door, a little bit of reduce it to the ridiculous, just getting you to make decisions, getting you to say yes. And they reduce it, put it in perspective. Well, for 72 bucks, that's different than, say, $500 or $600 for the full amount. They put it into perspective, and I'll let them be the ninja. That's something that we've oftentimes called the do you want fries with that, right? Mm-hmm. McDonald's coined that, where you, you've already made the decision to buy, and they've recognized, okay, this guy's ripe, right? He's got the wallet out. And while that wallet's out, you know, the getting's good. Let's get more here. Same thing happened to me a few minutes ago. I booked a reservation at Hilton.com. After I'm booking it, it says, for an extra $22 a night, you could be upgraded to a suite. You could get this, you could get that. And sure, I clicked those boxes and said, yeah, I want that stuff. I was already in the mood. It was small. It was ridiculous, right? Over the duration of the reservation, I probably end up spending 150 bucks more by clicking that mouse. But it's a pretty effective technique. It is, and I can't remember the exact percent, but it was astounding when McDonald's said, would you like an apple pie with that? It was just amazing, like, well, sure, why not? At least works 30, 40, 50% of the time. So just by asking and just making it available, well, sure, I'll take an apple pie, sure, I'll take fries, sure, I'll take first class, put it in perspective. It's amazing when you can ask, reduce it to the ridiculous, and they know the value, it makes it much easier. When the prospect has mentally made the decision to do business with you, everything else becomes easier. So ask for some more money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's much easier. As Jay Abraham says, it's much easier to get money from an existing client than find a new one. Absolutely. Excellent point. Great way to close out the show with Jay Abraham. Everybody, we appreciate you listening to the podcast today. This has been episode 164 of Maximize Your Influence. We will catch you next week on another episode. Have a great week. Go out and persuade with power. 